0: Welcome to Career
1: Day on the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to learn about the skills accumulated and lessons learned from a great marketer throughout the various stops on her career. Joining us for Career Day is a brand marketing specialist and advocate for women in technology. Laurel Mintz is the founder of Elevate My Brand, which is an innovative brand agency focused on creative offline and online solutions for emerging brands and well-established companies. EMB was founded in 2009, and their vertical agnostic approach has led them to work with B2B and B2C brands including Verizon, Zendesk, Sprinkler, and Facebook to help them gain their desired visibility and profitability. Laurel is also a board member at NIFTY, which stands for the Network for Teaching Entrepreneurship, and she's had a long history of advocacy helping women in technology as well. We're excited to have her as our guest on the show. Okay, here's my interview with founder of Elevate My Brand, Laurel Mintz. Laurel, welcome to the Martech podcast.
2: I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Very excited to you. I want to start off by saying we were actually connected through my sister of all people, who is not a technologist, but (laughs) another person who is involved in helping women in technology and careers. Very excited to be able to talk to you not only about your career, but some of the work you're doing supporting other women in theirs. Let's just start off talking about you. Tell me a little bit about how you got into marketing
2: out of pure stupidity. Can I say that?
1: (laughs) I'm sure that you're not the only person that feels that way.
2: (laughs) Um, Well, I started out as a lawyer, as you know. So I went to law school. I actually did a JD MBA. The MBA was in marketing. Long story short, I was at a firm in San Francisco called Covington and Burling and uh, found out shortly thereafter that my dad had stage four bladder cancer. So I ended up having to step down from that firm to run his interest in that company. And what it taught me was that I was an entrepreneur. And when he stepped back in, I started EMB about, oh my gosh, it's like almost 11 years ago. Yeah, exactly 11 years ago, actually.
1: I'm very sorry to hear about your dad's illness, but it's funny how sometimes life's challenges can point you in the right direction for what is important to you. I'm curious to hear how some of your experience working as a lawyer and then getting into entrepreneurship has helped prepare you to work in marketing. What do you think are some of the common trends that span across working in law and running a business?
2: I think it's about. Thinking differently, right? When you're in law school and when you are practicing as an attorney, you're really taught to cut through all the BS. And I think it's actually what makes us really great as a marketing agency. We're really not about the fluff. We like things to be beautiful, of course, but really everything has to make sense from a metric standpoint. So I think that mentality of cutting through the BS and being really clear about the end goal is something that has been a through line from law to marketing.
1: So you went and learned about both law and business, transitioned from being a lawyer to running your own business. Talk to me about the experience that you gained while you were in your first entrepreneurial venture. What were some of the pitfalls that you ran into? What were some of the successes that you had? And how did it set you up for success when you're running your current business?
2: So that was absolutely trial by fire. I was there for three years. It was the furniture industry, which I don't know if the listeners know the Bassett Furniture Brand, but it's a huge national chain. My dad was the West Coast partner. I was the youngest person, certainly the youngest woman, really one of only three women in 60 in the entire company. And I was interim CEO for three years. So that was the hardest possible time of my life, making sure my family could survive financially and emotionally and learning all of those really hard entrepreneurial lessons like how to run a team, like how to ask for help, like how to understand that I was not really an expert in this market and yet I had to lead this team. It was really scary.
1: So it seems like there's something that is very related to marketing when you're coming into a new business that you really have to understand the product of the customers and then as the CEO, the organization. What are some of the techniques or skills that you've developed to really understand all facets of a business? Because I'm assuming that you had to do that working at Bassett's.
2: Yeah, absolutely. For me, it was really about the culture, right? Really about communication. I think that's the thing, the through line that I've seen in law, in running my dad's company, and in running the agency. As long as you are really great at communicating, you can get through pretty much anything and make sure you can build the right team. So we've had a lot of success here at EMB because of those skill sets. And then, of course, we have technologies that we integrate that allow us to understand on the client side, which Bassett had as well. They had their systems already kind of in place, so we had to learn those systems really quickly and ramp up from there, which was, again, trial by fire.
1: So you mentioned that not only while you were at Bassett, you had to learn the business, but also you had to manage the personal side of some of the things that were going on in your life. Obviously, personal and business are sometimes intertwined. Talk to me about some of the challenges that you faced and how you were able to still be successful and drive the Bassett business while also managing with what I'm sure was a trying time at home.
2: It was a lot. I'm not going to lie. I definitely had a lot of martinis during that period of time in my life. But I had to really be able to balance both because I didn't really know the business. So I had to be able to go to my dad and have conversations like, what does this mean? And what is this code? And what is the personality of this person? And how do I best manage them up into the world that I need them to take on? So it was really about going in and having conversations with him that were really business focused and then being able to step back from that and being the daughter and being able to support my mom and my family. So I had to really learn to separate those two in an efficient way. And kind of say, I don't want those two to bleed over because they were, by necessity, so separate.
1: It's funny. It sounds like you have to create a separation between church and state, between business and home life. And on the flip side, there's also the connection between you and your dad. And you're able to talk about business, which I'm assuming gives you something to talk about that's not related to any sort of illness. Working with your family, something that I don't know if I could actually do. Sorry, (laughs) Beth, if you're listening to this, I love you, but I don't think we could work together. (laughs) Talk to me about some of the challenges and some of the ways that you've been able to work with people that you're obviously incredibly close with and have a personal relationship.
2: Yeah, I mean, we have a small team. So I would say I'm still very close with every single person at my company. My husband works out of our office as well. So he's here on a day to day basis, not working within the company, but on his own thing. I think as I'm out in the world so much that that doesn't really affect our personal relationship. But as it related to my dad, it was really clear what he was going through. And I was also really clear that I didn't know anything about his industry. All I knew was the lessons I'd learned in school. So I looked to him as a mentor and I kept asking him questions. And that's really what it was about. It was about asking all of the right questions. And learning from the mistakes that I was constantly making and just continuing to push forward and understanding that, look, I was here for a reason and I wasn't going to let the business fail with me at the helm.
1: So you served as the acting president for a few years at Bassett. What led you to make the change and go into consulting and marketing?
2: Again, totally by accident. So when my dad stepped back in, it was 2008, 2009, and the markets were crashing. Everything was a mess. Nobody knew what was going to be happening. And I actually didn't really know any consultants. It just started falling into my lap because I was always and still am so good at building relationships. So I would go out and I would have a drink with someone and they would say, Hey, I'm looking to build a marketing plan and a business model because I'm trying to fundraise. Or, Hey, can you come in and teach me a little bit about social media? It sounds like that's something you really understand. So it just started snowballing into this role And I woke up one day and I was like, oh, I'm a consultant. Got it. Because I didn't actually have anyone that was like that in my life. Everyone I knew had corporate gigs at the time.
1: It's funny. I had a similar experience when I was launching my consulting business after leaving, running the marketing team at my last startup gig. And I was taking on short-term projects just to pay the bills and to buy myself some time till I figured out what my next real J-O-B was going to be. And that job never came. It was just one project after another. And the next thing you know, I had a process and a business built up. I have your LinkedIn profile ahead of me and I noticed that you had consulting and you were also working for the girls in tech as the managing director around the same time frame. Were you working in management consulting or marketing consulting at first?
2: Yeah, it was marketing focused. So I started schmoozing and boozing with other entrepreneurs and figuring out what their pain points were. And this was early days in digital. So people were kind of confused about web. They were confused about social. They really didn't understand e-commerce. And Bassett actually really did set me up to understand that pretty quickly. So between the skills that I learned in the MBA program, which was focused on marketing, and the interim CEO role, I really did understand e-commerce marketing from a owner-operator perspective. And I think that gave me a leg up when I was talking to these other entrepreneurs, and all of their pain points I found were on the marketing side. So I just kind of went in that direction. You, you hear a problem, you can provide the solution. It's like a perfect marriage. And that's how Elvate My Brand was born.
1: Tell me a little bit about now that you're working in marketing consulting and you're getting your feet wet there. You're also working with the girls in tech doing some volunteer work. Talk to me about how you're able to manage both your responsibilities to pay the bills and to manage your clients while also taking on these other ventures that are obviously very important as well.
2: I always say that the for-profit work that we do really helps us to do the nonprofit work that we really love. I think that's just how it was brought up. My mom's been in the LAUSD system as a teacher for 40-some-odd years. And they always taught me that giving back was actually the most important part of being in society. So it was always something that was really critical and important to me as a leader. And I knew that it would also help me establish myself as a leader in the marketing and social community. So- While it was, of course, a give back factor, and I love talking to kids, and I love working with women and helping them understand technology and getting them into more executive roles, I also knew that I had to build my own brand. So it was kind of a little bit of both. And it just so happened to fall into my lap again, that I was able to launch Girls in Tech's global initiatives.
1: So there is obviously a sense of purpose with your volunteer, your non-for-profit work, but... As altruistic as it can be, there also is a purpose for you from a career development perspective, showing that you're a leader in your industry and gives you a little bit more credibility. At some point, you move away from the consulting firms that you're working for and you launch the business that you're running now, Elevate My Brand. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex, ready to take your team from I think to I know. Talk to me about the early days, you know, what was Elevate My Brand when it started and why did you make the transition from some of the other businesses that you were operating to what you're doing today?
2: Honestly, it all, again, happened very organically. So the first consulting group that we started was AKCG with a girlfriend up in San Francisco. She was on the finance side, so we would write business plans and marketing models and then her team would finance them. So it was a really great partnership until she decided she wanted to take a step back and have a family, which I totally respected. And then the next group that I was with LACG was really focused on financial services and management consulting. And I was taking on the marketing component of that. And I just found it so drab and boring. (laughs) So I was like, this is just not for me. It didn't light me up. I wasn't really living my truth. And I was like, I got to take a step back. In fact, I was with one of the co-founders of that group. And I had a drink and he was like, this is not for you, Laurel. You need to go do something where you can really shine and bring your personality and deal with really exciting brands and products. And I was like, you're absolutely right. So the transition was, again, really organic.
1: So from a personal perspective, you didn't find your product market fit with some of the consulting work that you were doing. And it sounds like that was more of an industry that you didn't want to focus and specialize on. And then you launched Elevate My Brand. Talk to me about the purpose and the mission and how you put this business together.
2: Well, originally, the tagline was the structure behind creativity, because we wanted to work with food and beverage brands, CPG brands. And that was the purpose of the company was to help them structurally understand marketing and execute that on their behalf so that they could focus on their core business value. So when we launched Elevate My Brand, that was how we did it. We went to market with that kind of conversation about let you focus on the operational side, let us be your outsourced CMO team. And it just worked really beautifully. And I mean, I was still working out of my apartment at the time, like most good entrepreneurs. And then we started volumizing and I was like, oh, I really got to build this into something bigger. And I knew that I wanted it to be something bigger. And that's when I started hiring and training and actually incorporating and really building this as a business.
1: So you start working and helping companies build systems to help make them be more creative. And you mentioned that you were focused on food and beverage and CPG businesses. And you've made a transition from focusing on those industries into also incorporating technology into your business. Talk to me about the growth of the business. And as your team has grown, what were some of the managerial sort of skill sets that you had to learn on the fly?
2: So transitioning to working with tech companies happened very organically. I kept kind of pushing them off. They were coming to us and they were asking for support in these areas. And I was like, no, no, we do CPG. We really focus on food and beverage, kids and toys, lifestyle brands. And then I kind of woke up one day and I was like, why are you saying no to these massive tech companies that obviously need your help? It's another way to just build your brand and your value. So we started taking on some of those clients and Some of them are the biggest brands in the world at this point. So we got very lucky on that point. And then, in terms of the managerial side of building up the team, it was all about the technology for us. So, having systems like Harvest so we could track time and make sure that everyone was working to their capacity and and making sure that the clients were profitable. And then, of course, the soft skills that go along with that. We did things like meditations and cocktail hours and just making sure that we always had a really fun, creative team environment. That was why I think people signed on early days with us, even before we were as big as we are now.
1: The environment, the way that you treat people, obviously, is one of the biggest factors that drives them to want to work and want to stay with you. I guess the piece that I'm missing here is, okay, you go from working and consulting, you're in financial services, maybe you build some relationships with CPG brands, and then all of a sudden, the biggest technology companies are coming to you. I wish I had that problem. How did you do that? Like, how did you build the brand? So you're getting inbound interest from some of the most notable technology companies in the world.
2: It was all relationship-driven, honestly. I just met the right people at the right times. They had these inflection points where they needed marketing support and the light bulb went off at that point. And I was like, all right, I've got to start servicing these clients. So now when people ask us what we focus on, we say CPG and we have, you know, the categories within that that we focus on. And then we also have our enterprise clients, which are all on the tech side. So I would say it was heavily relationship-driven. And then also we got WeBank Certified, W-B-E-N-C, which certifies you as a woman-run organization. And all of those big tech companies have minority and diversity spend requirements. So that was when the Facebooks of the world came to us and they were like, look, you fill this spot for us. You clearly have the skill set. We really like you. Let's do this. And then we were like, okay, when Facebook comes to call in, you pick up the phone.
1: (laughs) Yes, Mark. Yes, I'll help you figure out some marketing challenges.
2: He called me specifically. That's exactly right. (laughs) That's exactly
1: how it happened. Yeah, I'm still waiting for my call. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think I'm going to be women-run business certified anytime soon.
2: I don't know. Are you having a girl or a boy?
1: We're having our second boy.
2: There you go. Well, then, no, definitely not.
1: (laughs) Not going to be anytime soon. So talk to me a little bit about the products that you're offering and how they're different between the two industries What are the services that you offer to the CPG companies? Are the needs different between CPG and technology in terms of brand?
2: Very different. I mean, obviously the large enterprise tech companies have massive organizational structures. So when we are brought into those companies, we're brought in in a very narrow focus. So most of the work we've done on the tech side has been national field marketing. So for example, for Zendesk, we were brought in to create these really unique experiential moments for all of the top CMOs that they were targeting as clients all across the country. So we did a series of, it was like seven or eight events in all the major metros that were really unique. It was kind of a whisper campaign We had 90% attendance, which is like unheard of at CMO level because we did such a fun, unique, engaging moment. And we had digital that led up to that. So that was really fun.
1: You have to tell me what the fun, entertaining digital moment is that gets 90% (laughs) of high profile CMOs to the table. It sounds like it's a lot of expensive wine.
2: Well, definitely that. So, we have a lot of relationships with food and beverage brands. So, we brought in some really unique sponsors for those partnerships. But I will tell you, the campaign that we launched for that particular company was about going back to your childhood, like finding your youth. And I can't remember exactly the language, but ultimately, the experience, and we did this all around the country, was connecting people through this really unique art experience. So everyone sat around these massive king's tables covered in parchment paper with beautiful art supplies. And then the leader would call out a question. For Zendesk in particular, it was, Talk to the person across the table about the most unique customer service experience that they've ever had. That's the industry that they're in. And then they would have a conversation with this person across the table. And then they would be called to draw something that reminded them of that experience. So maybe it was that they had a really expensive watch that they returned and the customer service was really great. So then they would draw a watch and then everyone would get up, move one seat to the left and have another call out and conversation with the person across the table. So everyone got to connect with everyone in that room in a very unique way, in a very creative way through art, which as adults, we learn like, we're not that creative. I always say, I can't draw. I can't even draw a straight line. So long story short, at the end of it, people were ripping the pages of art off the table so that they could take them home with them. They just had this wild, unique experience that they were talking about for months afterwards. And they closed a lot of business from that national campaign.
1: So the programs that you're working on all sort of personal relationship connection based events like this, are you working on consumer focused branding as well?
2: We're doing both. I would say the large enterprise tech is mostly relationship driven, mostly experiential. We did a three day conference for Verizon Digital Media, but for the more middle market, that's really the core of our business. It's full scope. So it's full digital web content, social advertising, creative and then how that ties in with an experiential moment so that they're optimizing their marketing spend.
1: As you've been helping companies develop their brands now with Elevate, my brand for over a decade, how have you seen the shift in marketing mix change from basically the foundational internet years to where we are now? And has that impacted how you're raising awareness and brand recognition?
2: It's changed dramatically. I mean, I think At first, people were scared and they were unused to being digital. Then they went super far to the left of digital and experiential was left in the dust. Now they're realizing experiential is really critical and that you can tie digital and experiential together if you're doing it in a smart way. So now we're seeing a massive resurgence in experiential. That's kind of the arc that we've seen. So
1: as you've gone through developing this organization, scaling it to the point where some of the biggest technology companies and some of the most important companies in the world are coming to you to ask for your support in developing their brand. From a career perspective, where do you go from here, right? You've developed this great agency. Are you focused on more volunteer work? Are there still levels for you to go to increase your brand? What are the next step for you from a career perspective?
2: I mean, there's always room for growth, right? And as entrepreneurs, we move the goalpost. So we hit a goal and we're like, cool, got it done, moving on. So I'm always moving to the next level, hitting our next goals and trying to grow the agency, grow the team. We've contracted and expanded multiple times over the years. So now, you know, I just hit 40. I'm trying to think about what the next 20 years of my life is going to look like through this agency. So I don't know if I have a perfect answer to that. I'm figuring out what's next for us, but we're in a really good position to support brands, large and small. And because I have such an incredible team that I couldn't do any of this without, it does allow me to go out and speak to more kids and be involved in more nonprofit organizations And some of those big national nonprofit organizations are now recognizing our value and coming to us. We actually just had a really, really exciting opportunity with one of the biggest sports franchises here in LA on the nonprofit side. I'm not going to mention their name because I can't say between us. So it's just really an exciting time for us. I have learned so much as a leader in the last 11 years. I'm always just trying to grow and be better for me and for my team, my family. That's all you can do every day.
1: As you look back from the transition to being an attorney, going through working with your father, getting your general management experience, and then getting into marketing, consulting, what advice do you have for some of the younger people that are in a similar position, some of the other women that are potentially interested in technology that can help them learn from your success?
2: So we've got a really great blog that we do with, that talks about a lot of these issues and walks people through actionable steps and how we've been successful as an agency. I always take calls and meetings, coffees with anyone who actually wants real feedback and support. I really truly believe in what women helping women. I don't just lip service on that. And then, of course, I would just tell them to get involved with as many organizations that are aligned with what they think they'd like to do long term. That's, I think, what's made us most successful is that I'm busting my butt every day, you know, nine meetings and cocktails and dinners and networking events. And I'm really, really, really out there. So I would say, call me, get involved in organizations and start building a digital presence that speaks to your knowledge as well.
1: Laurel, there's a couple things that stick out to me about your story. First and foremost, you're obviously incredibly intelligent. You've been able to get both a law Stop and a,
2: go on. a business degree.
1: <laughs> That's not something that everyone has the capacity to do. But you've also managed through a lot of adversity, managed career changes, went from working in-house to managing an agency, and you've also carved out time to help people that really need it. So I just appreciate that you focused on helping women in technology, your work with entrepreneurs to help share some of the skills that you've developed. And I appreciate you spending the time to come be on our show.
2: Oh, absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you for having me.
1: Okay. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Laurel Mintz, founder of Elevate My Brand, for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Laurel, you can click on the link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You could send her a tweet. Her company's handle is Elevate My Brand, E L E V A T E M Y B R A N D. Or you could visit her company's website, which is elevatemybrand.com. Just one link in our show notes that I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes, contact information for our guests. You can sign up for our once a week newsletter. You can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D, on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you could reach out to me directly. My handle is benjshap, B-E-N-J-S-H